go. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to episode 16 of the Peon Podcast. Today on the show, we got Chef Christy Peters, who is the chef owner of Primal Pasta and Pop Wine Bar in Saskatoon. These are some of my favorite episodes when I don't know anything about a person in the industry and then I happen upon their their profile and I find these people who are super interesting and I purposely don't look up a lot about them because I want to just have a, a genuine spontaneous conversation and it's more about just two people in the industry learning about each other and 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 um you know telling stories that's that's the cool shit that's exactly why I'm I I do this it's my favorite and um that's what happened here I just happened to find chef peters's profile and I was like I was like I got to talk to the chef she's amazing those are my favorites when when things just just spontaneously happen where within a week or two of of finding somebody and contacting them we're just talking and uh and it's it's awesome it's the most natural thing in the world because there's no barrier we're both we're both in the industry uh we've been in the industry for a long time and it's like Bourdain said man we're in a cult of pain and so the the language barrier doesn't exist you know we we both we both know what we've been through and 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 uh, it's like being a tribe, you know. You see somebody on the other side of the world that's in your tribe, and this the communication is easy. It's great. I love those, those these types of conversations. Um, this episode would have <laughs> this episode would have come to you way sooner, but I had to take another break again because I got sick again. I had a terrible flu. Uh, luckily, the the flu only lasted for a couple of days, but. Uh, I lost my voice, like literally the day before or the the day after I was going to talk to Chef Peters, I ended up losing my my voice and um, it took me like a week to recover from this flu. Just got my voice back, I think, the day before uh, me and Chef Peters talked. So if you hear some inconsistency in my voice, hear some coughing that I didn't edit out, that's why Uh, I did my best, but my voice is all over the map on this episode. Anyway. Editing this episode, I realized that there were a couple things that I missed in terms of things that I'd like to talk to Jeff Peters about. So, um, about her experience with Food Network and and food TV shows, and that world is so interesting to me. the The whole production behind these food competition shows it's so interesting and she got the chance to be a chef on one of them but she's also had so many other interesting stories that we kind of got sidetracked or uh i did anyway by by her story that i didn't end up asking her about those but maybe i can get her on for a second episode we could talk about that and then more stories about the hollows because that's such an interesting restaurant obviously an interesting time in her life but the things we did talk about are, are amazing um one thing that we talked about which kind of tied into something that happened this week. It was like a Bon Appetit article about a chef's misconduct. And I don't want to comment on that uh, at all. Uh, but what I found kind of funny was that a couple of the things that they claimed was misconduct or that they were trying to cancel this woman for were things that are pretty standard in the restaurant industry. Namely, what we talk about, which is that you... The, the pressures of 
owning restaurants, working in restaurants, coming up in restaurants is so hard that you tend to react just as hard in terms of how you <laughs> you deal with it. And what I mean by that is is mainly is drug use and also the just sort of behavior. You know, you're kind of wild because you're so restricted in your day-to-day life. Everything about your life is so structured and routine uh, heavy that when you're allowed to let loose a little bit, you just fucking go wild, you know? Um, <laughs> sort of like a prison mentality. It's like, I'm out of fucking prison now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fucking nuts. And the funny thing is that not only is that just standard, when I say that, I don't mean that I'm advocating for how these things exist in the restaurant industry and I'm not excusing them. I'm just saying that that's just, that's what it is. You know, people in the industry are always going to, drugs are just part of it. You know, I think the quote unquote pro chefs at Bon Appetit either haven't worked in restaurants or haven't experienced restaurants because they don't know that the majority of people in restaurants are either are coming in high and leaving drunk because they're just getting high in the morning and then coming to work and being very productive. And then you get a little shifty after work because you just got destroyed, you know, and you need something to calm down, something to relieve the stress. So, and also there's two things. One is that, is that this, this sort of behavior is what people are attracted to about the industry. People outside the industry are attracted to the messy dysfunctional side of the industry. I mean, evidenced by this whole article, one, that is fucking newsworthy for some fucking reason. And then two, every fucking movie or story about a chef or a cook is always about the addicted cook or the dysfunctional cook. It's just what people seem to be fascinated with in our industry. And they don't ever show showcase people who do that and do it, you know, it's just part of their life. It's just they're successful, but they also have this wilder side to them. I don't know. I mean, Munchies had an incredibly popular and famous show about this on YouTube, taking chefs out, getting them fucked up, and then bringing them back to the restaurant to cook for their staff. And the second part of that is that these sort of articles never consider the other side of it, which is that Sure, I can say, oh, I was fired without any notice. They just came in and fired me. But Bon Appetit's not asking them why they got fired or how shitty of a fucking worker they were or what did they, what they did to cause that sudden firing or if the firing was even sudden. There's no other side to that story, which is the only point that matters in that story. Owning a restaurant and running, managing people is so difficult and you're always the fucking bad guy, you know? There's so much behind that story that never gets told because the people who run the restaurant or the business have to just keep going. They got to keep a good face and they got to just keep fucking trucking, trucking along. They got to hire more people and they, they don't get to tell their fucking story. The fucking loud ass employee is the one who gets to tell that story. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to... None of this, none of this is, Chef Peters does not advocate any of this stuff. This is literally just me talking out of my ass just because as I was editing, it reminded me of this episode, what we talked about kind of 
tied into this this article, and it just made me think that I wanted to talk about it. Anyway, let's just get into the episode. Um, as usual, you can go to peonmagazine.com slash support if you'd like to donate or support or anything like that. And also just scroll to the bottom of this episode's description. There's a little donate link. You just press that and donate as much as you want. It does certainly help. Um, and you can go peonmagazine.com slash store if you'd like to buy any merch. I got a couple new t-shirts planned that are going to be like little limited edition runs. And then, um, yeah, definitely check out uh, Chef Christy Peters on Instagram. She is uh, crust in the kitchen on Instagram. And then her two restaurants, Primal underscore pasta and Pop underscore wine bar. And then also worth checking out is at the hollow 306. And that uh, is her um, restaurant that no longer exists. I'll let her tell that story. But uh, what a wild place that was it's worth going back through that instagram and checking that place out because it was so unique uh anyway uh let's get into the episode thank you for listening appreciate it sorry it took so long to get things uh set up yeah literally the night before we were about to talk, I came down with a horrible flu, just like uh, sweated it out a little while, and then I just got my voice back like one or two days ago. So crazy! Thanks for yeah. being uh, patient. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for inviting me to do this. I love this kind of stuff, so I'm happy. To oh, nice! Here. That's yeah, that's awesome. Have you uh, have you done podcasts before? I did one before. I don't remember what it was oh, called. Nice. It was just a local Saskatchewan one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you remember how you how you got into the industry and? And what drew you to it, if anything yeah. did at all? Yeah, um, a couple different things. Like, I was working as a hostess at Boston Pizza when I was seventeen, or sorry, fourteen. That was my first ever job, and I saw the restaurant. What is? What's oh, what Boston, is Boston Pizza? pizza? It's a, <laughs> I never heard. It's a, it's a pizza chain in like Canada, and it's okay. like very generic pizza and pasta chain. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I saw the owner always at work and he would just walk in and out and on his own time and like do whatever he wanted to do. All the nonstop pop he could drink and all the beer and all the okay. food. And I was like, that just yeah. seemed like such an amazing job. Um, to be a restaurant owner? Yeah, to yeah. be a restaurant owner. I was, <laughs> that was me. Um, and then uh, I was also modeling in Toronto and I was seeing a lot of Food Network and I realized that I didn't have any practical skills at all and I needed to yeah. have practical skills. So I almost went into, I wanted a trade. So I almost went into welding. Um, wow. And then I decided. Do you remember what era of Food Network that was? Like who, yeah, who yeah, you watch it back then? I remember then. everything. Like I, yeah. it was uh, definitely New Classics with Rob Feeney. That, this is all, it was okay. Food Network Canada. So it was. Um, oh, okay. So it was a little different. Yeah. yeah but Jamie Oliver, okay. like he had, it was like okay. Jamie at home yeah. when he was like cooking out of his garden and stuff like that. Like, was, Oh, I love that show that yeah. he had his own little garden spot. Right. Yeah. That show was sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was, that was a great little, show. Yeah. His little outdoor cook grill and cooking yeah. over fire. And like, yeah, it was just like, I yeah. fell in love with all of, I would watch it day in and day out. And I, 
I realized I didn't know how to cook. And one of the mm-hmm. most, I, I thought the most important thing in life is to be able to cook well and feed your family well and entertain yeah. and all of those things. And I really didn't know how to cook. So I thought it, that's the trade that I want to do. I want to do the trade that I have to feed myself three times a day. Why not do like the most important thing in life? And that's so, a really, and you decided that at 14, that's very, no, no, that's just, sorry, that was, okay, that, was, was that, like, <laughs> that was, that was later oh, okay. on, in the modeling okay. days when I realized, uh Oh, I don't have a practical skill. So then I thought, did you come from a family that it had a lot of cooking and home cooking and things like that? Or was no, it like, oh. um, it was very much like Mac, Mac and cheese out of a box and, um, okay. like yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, I didn't really know. And when I was modeling in Toronto, that was the first time that I had lived on my own. So I had to cook for myself and I realized I really didn't have any good skills. Yeah. And so the, the, the first show I said, new classics with Rob Feeney, he's like, uh, he was the first Can- uh, Canadian chef to win Iron Chef America against, uh, Morimoto. Um, oh, damn. Crab. All right. Yeah. So it, oh, it was, crap. <laughs> okay. it was a big deal back then. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It definitely was. Yeah, so he was a big yeah. deal. And I saw that his show was shot out of Vancouver. So I decided I would go find Rob Feeney and I would work under him. Because I always thought if you wanted yeah. to do something like a trade, you go mm-hmm. find the person who's doing the trade and you work under them for free instead of going to school. So um, that's smart. That's very smart yeah. instead of culinary school, which is yeah. insanely expensive. Yeah, totally. And I, I thought... Rob Feeney, because I also wanted to have my own show someday. So I thought Rob Feeney is a chef. He has his own restaurant and his own show. So he's yeah. the guy I got to go find. So I just went to Vancouver and I started, I applied at his restaurant and I got a job. And yeah, it was. Was it like a. Experience. It, uh, was it like an unpaid uh, internship kind of job or did you just get a job and start from the from the bottom there? Well, funny enough, it turns out they were desperate for cooks even then. So, <laughs> really? Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the industry's always been desperate for cooks. Like there's yeah, always people coming and going. So even though I didn't have any experience, they asked me, um, they invited me to do a stage and said it's a sink or swim situation. They told me, they asked me if I had a knife. I said, no. They said, go buy a chef's knife come back on Friday, we'll give you a sink or swim kind of test. And Holy see you shit. Do it. That's crazy. Yeah. I've never been more nervous in my entire life. And then yeah, um, I did, they asked me to brunoise a cucumber and I said, what's brunoise a cucumber? And they were like, Oh my God. And but then <laughs> they like showed yeah. me and I did it perfectly. It took me two hours, but I did it perfectly. So they said, okay, your eye for detail is there, but we can work on your speed. So we're going to give you the job. So that's amazing. I ended that's... up working there. Yeah. And it all started there. What's what type of food? I'm not familiar with, with, um, that um, chef. What type of well, food? Well, actually like the show, um, it was called new classics with Rob Feeney. So it was, uh, mm-hmm. a Feeney's bistro and it, it was, uh, all classic food, but done with a twist, uh, an elevated twist. So it's actually like, was such an amazing, uh, educational experience because I got to learn classic French cooking mm-hmm. only with like really high end, beautiful ingredients, but it was all based in, in French cuisine. So it was very classic okay. training. I got like, like elevated duck confit on like a radicchio salad with a warm hazelnut vinaigrette and like a shepherd's pie, but made with uh shredded duck confit and, um, creamed corn and like truffle palm puree. That's like absolutely perfect. And like, and, French yeah. soup and all of those things. That sounds like culinary school. Classes. Yeah. Yeah. It was like really yeah. like, perfect. So I loved oh, it. Look him up right now. Rob Feeney. How do you spell Rob Feeney? Uh, Rob and then F E E N I E. 
A-N-I-E. Like, yeah, it's funny. No, and I guess maybe we didn't even get that show here. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Was, so, you, so you loved that experience, huh? That was like yeah. you were 19 and you were like just shoved in like that. Yeah, it was awesome. And then years and years later, like this was probably five years ago, I was invited to be a judge on Food Network Canada on a show. Um, and oh, cool. I, and I got yeah. to sit next to Rob Feeney on the show as we were both judging together. So, Did you get to work under him? Was he actually involved in the restaurant at that point? He was, yeah, yeah. Oh, and cool. His story is actually even kind of crazy. I shouldn't. I don't know how much I should talk about him, but um, <laughs> he lost his restaurant to investors. The investors slowly bought Damn. more shares than he than he had, and then they they fought and they pushed him out. So wow. my restaurants, I don't have any investors because of that watching that unfold i i vowed then and there that i would never have a single investor because i never wanted anyone to have control over my restaurants or my destiny so that was also yeah. a good lesson i learned there did that happen behind his back like he was just slowly slowly losing control yeah well from i was so so young and they didn't really tell me what was going on, like on but from what i gathered yeah. the restaurant as restaurants as we all know restaurants lose money so it was losing yeah. money and so he was selling his shares slowly to the investors to dig him out of the debt because maybe he, he was spending i don't know restaurants are tough maybe he wasn't spending the money properly maybe he was it's just restaurants are horrible yeah horrible money makers yeah for sure and eventually the yeah the investors owned more than the than him and he he was ripping they were they were loudly fighting in the dining room and ripping things off the walls like and holy shit it was a big wow. scene and all the kitchen was rallying behind Feeney and it, we we just yeah. loved him and yeah it was a big messy exodus so damn wow mm -hmm. how how long did that did that unfold um it was pretty quick it was like about a three months drama thing that happened and then yeah i i'm pretty good at no like having an instinct when restaurants are going to go go under and I, I usually exit before then so i had gotten i got another job with some of his other chefs and yeah now there i went yeah. to the new, the new hot restaurant in town i was like it's time for me to move on so yeah also the, how long did you stay at that restaurant um i was there for two years and okay. i wanted to work the meat station but the new chef chef de cuisine not feeny wouldn't allow me to work the meat station because he didn't like me for some reason mm, okay we we all my all, all my colleagues like we were all like it was like we were in the army together we we're all like very very best friends yeah uh actually my husband now i met at feeny's he's the one who trained me how to brunoise a cucumber so <laughs> that's, that's that's a wild story yeah yeah and i'm still like best friends with like uh, three or four people from that era of cooking and that's they've wild. all grown up to like start their own restaurants and stuff around the world which is really cool that's really awesome yeah yeah but uh i did, I, so did you end up working your whole way up through that that kitchen except for that meat station yeah i did and when and then the new chef came and they think it's because i was a woman to be honest and i've never that was the first time i ever encountered anything like that like at all mm -hmm. like I never I was just I was cruising along in the kitchen I never thought about that kind of thing he would just he just kept promoting people like people about people ahead of you that I had trained and I yeah. was like this is oh Jesus so, yeah. so I left and went to another restaurant and I ended up they, at the other restaurant they did whole animal butchery um and I ended up getting to work the meat station there so I actually learned a better meat station at that 
place anyway, so it was good. <laughs> so it worked <laughs> out, yeah. Was that Rob Feeney's restaurant as well? Uh, no, that was uh, J.C. Poirier. He he owns uh, the best. It's called St. Lawrence, and it's at number one in Canada on the Canada's 100 best list right now. Damn, okay. Yeah, I'm not so too familiar all, with the Canada food scene, so I'll have to... Yeah, it's all Quebec guys. That, like in Vancouver, it was all a lot of Quebec guys that were mm-hmm. with Rob Feeney. So as they branched out and started their own restaurants, I kind of followed the Quebec kind of culinary guys, and they're all amazing. Like, I think they're the best cooks in Canada. They're just incredible. Yeah. They start training when they're like 14. Like, they start... In high school, they Jeez. choose a trade, like, right away. Yeah. So, they all look way older than they are, and they're all like have way more life experience than they. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Do they do they like have to choose a trade, or do they just is that just how the school system works? That's like just, how the school system works. I think like you either choose really... academic or a trade. I think at a certain age, like a very young age, mm-hmm. um, is what I've what I've heard from them. So it's a smart way to do it. I think it really they're 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 a cut above like they're, they're yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So what was the experience like at the, at that restaurant? Did you feel like, um, cause I started cooking at about 23 and I feel like that was just when I was able to sort of grasp those sort of, uh, the responsibility of working at a restaurant. Do you remember how you were feeling? I guess what was your, what was your personal experience with working in the restaurant at that age? Yeah. Um, well, I had done a lot of stuff before. Like, um, like I said, I was modeling, I went to university and when I got into the kitchen and I had served like front of house and stuff, but when I got okay, into the so kitchen and the, and got into like what I'm calling now line cook life, it was like mm-hmm. a light bulb went on. Like I, I, it was perfect for me at the time. I, oh, like you just fit into it so well. I loved, I loved the, yeah. the challenge. I loved, I'm really tough apparently. So I loved the long hours and I, um, you know what? I realize now that I'm, I'm a bit of a workaholic and I was avoiding a lot of issues in my family. And yeah, so yeah. I had, that was the was perfect the excuse to say no to everything and just, uh, no, you know what? I like, I'm working 12 hours. I'm working six days this week. I can't come home for Christmas. I'm good. Like I'm, I'm just working. I'm working. I'm trying to yeah. build my career. Um, and it flew by and I loved every minute of it. And my body actually mm-hmm. loved it. Like I've, I never was as fit as I was when I was line cooking and I, yeah, so I just, I was thriving. Like I just loved it. And that's the thing I'm trying to figure out today is, is it a certain type of person and do those people still exist? Was it because I was young? Like basically at my restaurant now I've um, started to line cook again after like 10 years like it's pretty crazy i haven't really line cooked in a long time that's wild yeah you said last night you were on the line at your yeah. restaurant that's and is that just because of the circumstances like you're not able to find people or do yeah. you just want to dive back in yeah no, uh, it's people? because we can't find people and my poor chef de cuisine is working with a bunch of kids that are not trained and he hasn't seen a trained cook in so many years and i said wow i'm a trained cook why don't i come work the tough station and you can take a breather and know see what it's like to actually work with like a trained line cook again and so you can get your bearings and it turns out I still love it. Like the thrill, like, holy shit. I love it. Like, um, it's great when like everything's firing all cylinders and everything's going so smoothly and you get like a nice rhythm going. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, There's nothing else like it. It's incredible. Like I forgot that feeling and I kind of thought I was over it and I thought it was like a young person's thing. And then 
I was doing my list. I was racing against time to get my list done before service. And then I like did yeah. got the nervous before service and then did the service, <laughs> nailed it. And then was like yeah. on such a high after the cleanup and all the like loud music that I like went out for a beer with the guys. And then I like couldn't sleep till like three in the morning. And then I woke up and then I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get back to my line cook job because I had to work two days in a row. Uh, yeah. So I felt like it was just like old times. But then in, the only problem is, is that I'm, oh, I own two businesses and I own the buildings as well. And I'm doing building management, yeah. accounting. We're switching. So banks you're right now. line cook at the same time that you're doing all this other stuff in the background. Yeah. And like running Damn. the businesses and all that. Wow. So, but it, the, the cool thing was, is when you're line when I was doing my list in line cooking, I had to just be present in the present moment because I if mm-hmm. I was thinking about the emails that I had to do, I can't do them. Like I was gonna not be ready for service if I did the emails. I, there's no stopping. Yeah. So I just put yeah. that aside out of my brain and it's basically like taking two days off from my normal everyday grind and just being present in the moment and doing the line cooking. Yeah. Um, but then honestly it took me like today's Friday and I'm I'm not line cooking today but I I, w- I just woke up like it takes me a while to recover after two days of line cooking and I'm like surprised I was able to do it for 20 years. Like that's crazy that yeah. I did that. Yeah, it is it is wild, but It's a um, really really hard job. Like it it takes yeah. a special person who like it, you have no Physically, life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of consumes it kind of consumes your life. It, it does. It does. I mean, I've worked at <clears throat> the most recent restaurant I left. I used to work um, 12 hour days and that really consumes all of your life. Yeah. I've known, I've, I've known owners who've come in to do dishes and I feel bad for them. But then when you talk to them, they're like, no, this is great. I get a time off from the craziness and all the, the heavy weight and all I have to yeah. do is just worry about washing dishes right now. This yeah. is great. Dish pit, so. hashtag dream job is what we say. It's like, so there's no worries in the pit, you know? No. Yeah. It's that's great. Well, let's let's um let's go back. So you you ended up going to that that um the whole animal butchery. Mm-hmm. Was that as the name says like a like a butchery restaurant or, no. or butchery or was it a restaurant as well? No, it was a restaurant and it was super amazing and magical and mm. um a, a, a ahead of its time or of the times especially it was very much like uh they did whole animal butchery. They got all of their veg. It was almost like a little bit vegetable forward as well. They had lots of vegetarian men- menu items, but they were really beautiful. They were only using pro- produce that was like grown within BC kind of thing. Um, okay. This was, was in Vancouver as well? Yeah. It okay. was like the restaurant to be at. Like it, this this chef. It's amazing. And he's still like the best chef. Like his restaurant's number one now that uh, whatever. But he, um, like I just remember the weird like barefoot, dirty feet farmer guys coming in with like uh, the best heirloom tomatoes that uh, like stuff I've never seen before in my entire life, like variations yeah. that I still to this day, I'm trying to search out. Like I was on <laughs> Garmage, like making the tomato salads. And every time some tomato seeds would spill onto my cutting board, I would scrape them into a 250 and I would take them and save them because I was so enamored by these gorgeous tomatoes. Were you trying to cultivate them? Would like put them in your I garden? Did. Is that what you're trying to? Yeah. yeah did you? I, did it work? Yeah, I brought them back to Saskatoon and I grew them and and I I brought I brought That's awesome. special varieties to like Saskatchewan because Saskatchewan back then was very much uh, or, orange carrots, red tomatoes, and like you know the typical like white onions. Boring. Yeah, boring. There was no heirloom yeah. varieties of vegetables, so I'm yeah. happy to that. That's a big thing. So I collected a lot of seeds when I was there and that place was just, the food was just so clean 
beautiful. It was very cartoon-like is the way I describe it. And that's what do you mean? Well, that's still my style to this day is like, like big, bold colors, like, and like, almost like Like a cartoon. Like it's just so clean and pristine and like um, big and bold and not sharp color contrasts. Yeah. And and not so fine and, um, and precious Mm -hmm. and too many elements and a lot going on. Like, it's just like big, bold, colors on the plate and shapes on the plate and i really liked it and thought it was beautiful that's 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 awesome so is that restaurant still around no it also went under um damn every almost every restaurant i've worked at has gone under um but it's been sad um but i saw it coming as well the way of restaurants but yeah i remember our we had this fancy aquapana bubbly water in these for the guests mm-hmm. and uh chef used to drink the, those big bottles of the fancy bubbly water. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing him one day drink out of a liter, starting to drink out of a liter. And I was like, this is not good. Oh. Like, so then <laughs> I was small like, small little signs. Yeah. Yeah. It, I was just like, this is something's off. And so I mm-hmm. ended up, what did I even do after that? I went somewhere. I, I think I started traveling. Did you get a chance to learn some of the whole animal butchery and and yeah. move up in that spot as well? How long did you yeah. stay there? Uh, two years again. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. And and that place was actually so hot. It, like it had all the best uh, cooks from Vancouver. All of the best cooks were there. Um, and I wanted to work there so badly, but um, so I worked there for free for a week and until mm-hmm. they would take me. And they they just they were like she's not going, she's not going to leave. Like she's just going to keep coming back again and again. So just they, persistence. Yeah. They gave me a job and it turned out that I did all, ended up staying and doing all the stations and everything. Yeah. Whole pigs, whole lambs. Um, it was really fun. I, they were worried I couldn't lift the pig onto the table by myself. Um, but I, mm-hmm. out of sheer will and spite did, was able to do that. So. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say like working with some of the best chefs in town, did, did you feel like you had to rise above or did you feel like some sort of inadequacy? I, I'm, I'm a type of person who comes into a kitchen. I feel instantly inadequate. And then I try to work myself. Like I'm a, my worst critic. So I have to work, uh, outwork my, my expectations. Um, how did you feel in that, in that environment? Um, I felt like I was in heaven because I was the worst one and all, everyone, they were all like my big brothers. Like it was like, being surrounded by like a bunch of big brothers who were Mm -hmm. teaching me and guiding me, but also like razzing me and making fun. Like they're actually the reason I got my, my nickname crust. Um, my like Instagram crust crust in the kitchen. Um, because my name is Christy. So they used to all call me crusty as like, Oh, (laughs) razz me. And then, but then they'd get in the shit and they'd need something from me and they'd have like sheer panic in their eyes and they'd be like, crust can you run and get some parsley and chiffonade very fast and uh they started calling me crust as like like yeah. it almost that was just my kitchen nickname so i, yeah. I always loved that and i got stuck a nickname. yeah yeah that's that's awesome so were you the only the only woman in the kitchen at that place uh no they had one other french pastry okay. chef yeah all the other women were on pastry I tried to avoid pastry as much as possible, <laughs> but did I was, yeah, was going to say, did, did some people try to pigeonhole you into pastry just by virtue of being a woman? Yeah. Yeah. Even they made me when, when I wanted to go on the meat station, they made me job share. I, I only got to go on the meat station two days a week at first. And I had to do the other three days a week on pastry, so, which is I'm grateful because mm-hmm. to be a well-rounded chef, like 
I got to oh. learn all the classic pastries. You know, I can do a cho- I can do anything. I can do the lemon curd, the chocolate mousse, like all the classic loose. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm glad I know that. I can make puff pastry. I can do all that stuff. So that's great. Um, but then I slowly worked over full time onto the meat station, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, where did you, uh, where'd you end up after that? Do you leave before it, it went down? Yeah. As soon you... as I saw a chef drinking out of a liter, I was like, uh, oh, like, um, so yeah, I, you said you started traveling. Yeah. I went to Europe to Amsterdam. Did you, did you go with cooking in mind or were you just traveling? No, um, I had cooking in mind. Um, my best friend at the time, uh, who's now my husband was traveling in Europe and, he had a, a family in Amsterdam and a place to stay. And he said, I should come out and visit him. But I said, I'll only go there if I have a, a stage set up for a month. Um, so I called around and got a stage at a restaurant that was in an old Dutch greenhouse, uh, like a vintage, beautiful, it was a huge structure entirely made of glass where they grew oh, wow. all, all their, they grew a ton of vegetables inside in the greenhouse. And then they had mm-hmm. the, the yard that had all the gardens that they were growing with like raspberries and all sorts of different stuff. Wow. And then they also had a farm that grew vegetables for them. And they were very much a vegetable centric restaurant. And like the cooks would go pick the vegetables and like bring them back covered in dirt. And we'd like, we'd scrub them and um, make vegetable dishes. And it was really cool. So I did that for a month while I was there. What was, what, what's that place called? Uh, it's confusing. It's called Ducasse. It's not Ducasse. It's not like, Ducasse. Like yeah, every yeah, every time Ducasse. I say Ducasse, they're like, "Oh, you work for Alan Ducasse." I'm like, "No," um, but it's like <laughs> D E K A S, which means the glass, I believe, in Dutch. I know about this restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember exactly how, but I I, I found that restaurant um, about a year or so ago. That's that's wild. Mm-hmm. So that was a cool ex- that that experience like helped shape me uh, like. That I, I always thought if I ever had my own restaurant, I want like to have the vegetables come in, in not in plastic bags and cardboard boxes, but in like Rubbermaid bins straight from the farms. And like, I want to like scrub the dirt off yeah. and that was like, and grow as much as possible and be very vegetable centric. So that, that was like a big piece in my puzzle as well. Yeah. What was, what was it like working in that kitchen? Did they speak English or were you? They spoke English, but they did speak Dutch. Uh, so they had pretty strong accents and, but it was good. Like I could do it. Um, I met a lot of, mm-hmm. everyone was really nice. It was actually really great. Like I love Europe. Yeah. Europe's just the best. Everything in Europe. It is. is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So it was, it was like pretty great. It was awesome. Like did a lot of drugs, traveled, like got to see a lot of stuff. <laughs> like yeah. Amsterdam, yeah, I mean, baby. Yeah. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, like, what I was, was like the, a crazy uh, line cook. Like I was like hardcore line cook life. Like so you're partying as hard as you worked and oh like hell that. yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> we were like doing acid and going to like the theme parks there like on our days off and like like yeah. stealing rowboats and like trying to just running around <laughs> causing havoc like it was just crazy. But, That's amazing. Yeah, we used That's to go amazing. like as as crazy as we could, you know, like cooks are pirates. Like we were very much like the Anthony Bourdain type mentality. Like yeah. after reading that kitchen confidential got us all. And yeah. Yeah. And Kyle, my partner, he's, he's a wild man. And I, I'm actually more of a good girl. So I like live vicariously through his wild man actions. And I, just along I, for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. But I go, I, I go crazy yeah. when, when I get the chance. So. 
<laughs> yeah, those were crazy. It's, I think that's what I think that's what like cooking is. I've thought about it um, a lot talking to this many like cooks and and people in the industry, and like I feel like we work so fucking hard that of course when we get off we just go absolutely insane because yeah. the rest of the time is so tight and focused, yeah. and there's a lot of pressure and things. So when you're off work, you just go absolutely crazy. Yeah. Sometimes it for the worse but um yeah i mean that's just what we do but sometimes you, know? you got some crazy stories and like life is short <laughs> yeah, of course um, and then also yeah. like line cooks and cooks and chefs i realize we have like nothing to lose really like we can get that's like true a you can go to get another job our, yeah. we're not gonna get disbarred we're not gonna like lose our like no. i'm not trying to say i'm like promoting drinking and driving at all but i'm just no, no. an example like my doctor and lawyer friends like they they can't do a crime or they could lose their licenses and get disbarred oh, but yeah. like, i can like get arrested for like naked drunkenness in public and it's just <laughs> better for my rep you know like no it'll just be a story to tell at work yeah yeah, yeah. there's people people talk about using drugs at work they talk about like oh yeah i was tripping this weekend i did this i did that um, yeah yeah i got a DOI, and it's just all part of it's work oh yeah that's a story. You don't get fired. There's no penalty, nothing. It's just part of the work environment, which no, is why society champions you. They're like, Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> they do, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Not only do the people in the kitchen talk about it and they love the stories, but then people out of the kitchen, they're like, wow, it's crazy chefs in there. They're doing wild they, stuff. People are jealous. Yeah. I think a little bit like it's good. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you have an open kitchen? No, I I've find that had- like open kit. You never had the chance to work in one? I've worked in an open kitchen in Vancouver, okay. um, but I've never owned an open kitchen. Okay. I was going to say, like, people are, like, watching you like it's a TV show, but they oh. get to talk to you. They to be like, how crazy is your life? And, like, how many hours you work? They all ask all these weird questions that you that, that no one else asks. And, yeah, and totally. It's, it's strange. It's like they're watching Top Chef or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's bizarre. Yeah. Was your partner also uh, cooking? Yeah, in in Amsterdam too. Where? where uh, was no, he, he didn't cook in Amsterdam. He oh, he didn't. Just okay. kind of was like traveling around. Um, okay. Yeah. Did you go to another um, spot after that uh, to stage? Not or was in that Europe. The place you staged in Europe. Not in Europe at that time. I just traveled around. Um, I've done a lot of traveling in Europe. Actually, I've been a lot of places, but um, I didn't work. That was the only place I worked. Um, Aside from when I went to Noma um, recently. Did you uh, just eat at Noma or did you? No, I was um, staging in the fermentation lab with Zilberg for like three and a half months. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's I, amazing. Uh, he invited me to come and I was like, okay. Like, what? Once in the life. How did you land that? Because him and I are old line cook buddies from Vancouver. No way. Yeah. yeah he is from, he is from Vancouver, isn't he? Well, wow. He that's incredible. Toronto, but he, how did, he cooked in Vancouver forever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back, uh, yeah. How did, how did you guys meet? Um, well back in my line cook days in Vancouver, I would get off work a little bit like half cut mm. after my beers with the guys. And then I would write, <laughs> yeah. uh, my crust in the kitchen blog. And it would be like, it was kind of like a dear diary oh, cool. type thing of like today, this happened to me at work. Like, Today I had to fry some capers and I didn't put them in the fine mesh strainer and I just dumped them in the deep fryer and then I had to drain the whole fryer. And it was, it's just like my little like dear diary stories of line cook stories Yeah, um, and photos. That's awesome. of, yeah. And so he had also had his like photo blog. Um, and so we followed each other and he really liked my stuff and encouraged me, which was really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of met up and had some drinks from time to time, knew like just, you know, connections to the industry. And then, 
Yeah. I, I was um, staging uh, in Amsterdam, no, uh, Copenhagen at this restaurant that's actually beside Noma. It was like this weird exchange thing that this I did with this lady and my friend from Edmonton, who's also a chef. It was like for female chefs to like stage around. Um, uh-huh. So when I was in Copenhagen, I said, I called up Zilber and was like, hey, can I get a tour of Noma? And he was like, yeah, like, absolutely. So he gave me a tour and I was just like, this place is so awesome. And he was like, why don't you come be my next intern? I was like, that's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. for sure. Yeah. So that's, what, what time period was this? Uh, what, just what before year? the pandemic. I was like the last. Oh, okay. uh, that's why I, I feel so freaking lucky. Like I, I got yeah, home right? at like, it was like two. Yeah, um, I was the last batch of interns before the pandemic, so there was no sign of the pandemic when I was there. I got home at Christmas, and then, yeah, then the pandemic happened after that. So I got to like be away in Europe for three and a half months before that. So I felt like pretty stoked amazing. about that. Yeah, yeah. Were they? I, I can't remember when the book came out, but were they working on the book at that time, or um, had it already? The book was come already out? out, and they were. Yeah, the okay. book was already out, and they were actually. Uh, doing research on a second book at that time and then okay that noma 2.0 book came out but zilber left after our uh, like after yeah. our, i was the yeah. last intern with zilber which was really nice what what was that experience like like what was the day-to-day of that of that place oh it, was it seems like a dream a dreamland it's like you just come in and kind of kind of just explore yeah well it yeah. was like that like at the lab I, I i actually i felt like i wasn't like smart enough to be in the lab kind of like i <laughs> I don't know. I just, yeah. I was smart enough to be in the lab though. Like I, yeah. I had a lot of breakthroughs there. I had the most, like I had like quite a few successful projects that like um, Renee Redzepi was really excited about. He actually Instagrammed uh, one of my projects, mm-hmm. which was, that's a huge honor. Like David Zilber was like, holy shit. Like you've only been here for two weeks and like Renee is like Instagramming your shit. That's fucked up. What was it? Um, it was, uh, there's this be- this amazing forager that brings them all sorts of different forest mushrooms. And there's this mm-hmm. mushroom called a uh, beef tongue mushroom. And it looks exactly okay. like a beef tongue. Um, like that, like that big, like it's like huge. Yeah. Like it's like, it looks, okay. it's like a bit smaller, the one I had, but it looks like a beef tongue, like exactly uh-huh. like a beef tongue. And uh, I guess they had had that mushroom come in before and Renee didn't really like it. Um, also, he doesn't like garlic or cloves because that's too much like traditional um, Danish cooking, and he and he's trying to get away from that. Okay, but yeah, yeah. like Christmas spice flavors and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, he said that like years ago, and everyone just kind of like clung on to that. But I just yeah, I I say some crazy shit as a chef. Like at, that late like years later, I'm like. Oh no, I'm fine with that now. Like it's fine. So <laughs> yeah, um, taste involves, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no one wanted to do anything with this mushroom, so I said I'll take it because I've got uh, corned beef tongue on my menu at, in Saskatoon right now. So I'll just I'll take it. I'll pretend it's a beef tongue. I'll make a, a like a corned beef brine with clove and garlic as as I do at home, um, and everyone's like, oh, he's gonna hate it if it has clove and garlic in it, whatever. And then I made the brine. I cut the piece of the mushroom, which is actually like red on the inside and it shreds apart like meat when you cook it. So I dipped it in the brine and ate it and it tasted like pastrami. Like it was like very, that's wild. Yeah. So I fed it to Zilber. He's like, well, it's really good, but like, it's what's the, what's the Noma, you know, like, why is it like, it doesn't have any like forest flavors or whatever. And then Renee happened to walk by and Zilber 
dipped it in the brine and gave it to him and he just his eyes lit up he grabbed my entire cutting board with the mushroom and the brine and everything my knife <laughs> the cutting board Whisk, yeah took it away to the test kitchen and did an instagram about it so yeah i i yeah i think it should still be on his i don't know if it's on his feet or on his story but it's zilber and him talking about this beef tongue mushroom tasting like pastrami and yeah it that's was, incredible it, it was did really, it end up on something on the menu no i don't oh they were doing uh it was forced and game menu and we were doing research for the seafood menu so they said it, they would possibly revisit it for the veg menu but i'm not sure if that ever happened but it, it got logged okay. into their their Evernote. Evernote is how they keep track of their recipes. I don't know if you've heard oh, wow. of Evernote, but um, I have, but I have never, I've never used it. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. cool. The way that they keep track of their recipes is, um, huh. it like uh, because I had a breakthrough that that he liked, he, it needed to go on record. So um, they let me go into their Evernote system, and they just I wrote my recipe in grams, and then I wrote exactly the method I did as a story. Um, and that's how they. Do, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's wow. how they do all of their recipes. So. I just, I, I, and I do that at my restaurants now and I, and with Evernote and I think it's like the best way to do it. Huh. I'll have to look at Evernote. That's very interesting. Cause yeah. I, I'm starting to like build recipes and, and it's the notebook method is very, um, difficult Yeah, well, <laughs> having and, a notebook just full of shit that you got to fucking cycle through, you know? Yeah. I still yeah. have every single chef notebook I've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah. They're yeah. like right in my living room right now and I still reference them, but I'm trying to enter them all into Evernote now so I can easily find That's things. cool. Yeah. And so the only other place I cooked was in San Francisco. I, I staged at Qua Restaurant with Daniel Patterson. Holy wait! Before <laughs> that's insane. Uh, but before before that, I gotta ask: like, what is the you met? We reference like Noma projects. Like, how does that project system work? Like, are do you come into work and then they just assign certain vegetables to you and then you work on it, or what? What's the I guess the procedure there? Because it's yeah. very it's very unique. Well, as soon as I got there. Um, they had a meeting like Zilber leads the meeting and they have a glass doors on the lab and he writes with a paint marker on it and it's called ideation. And they already okay. had like a bunch of ideation projects that they had thought that they want to do written down. Um, and then they asked me and the other intern and the other lab, two guys in the lab, they said, okay, what, what else do we want to do? But I had just gotten there and I had no context as to what was going on really. So I, Zilber was like crust and he, he calls me crust from back in the day too. He calls yeah. crust too. He's That's like, funny. what crust, what, what's your ideas that you want to like experiment with? And I was just like, I don't really like know what you guys have already done or like, like you guys have probably already done everything under the sun. Like I don't want to say something yeah. and then you've already done it or like, I don't really know what I want to do. And he was like, Oh, slow burn. I get it. So like, we'll just like let you chill. So then when it came time to choose like a project, I, he's like, just choose one of the ones that's already up there. Um, what are those projects involved? Is it just like, is it, is it an idea for, for a component? Yeah. An idea for a, a component. vegetable you want to, Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, so I chose oyster bushi cause I, I like oysters because I just like oysters. So I was like, I'll do oyster bushi cause we serve oysters at our restaurant in Saskatchewan, which is real weird, but we fly them in fresh once a week, pick them up at the mm -hmm. airport. So That's I wanted awesome. to learn some yeah. more stuff to do with oysters. So we made katsubushi out of oysters. And That's awesome. Yeah. So my job was to like, sit outside in the courtyard with like the, the smoker, like the smoke chips and like smoke all the oysters perfectly evenly smoked and then dry them and then spray them with the like katsubushi spores and like put them in the chambers and 
make katsuobushi out of an oyster so yeah it was kind of that cool. sounds awesome that sounds like a great way to spend a day yeah that's, and that, <laughs> that's awesome and it turned that's out cool. so it was a good project yeah yeah we also made worcestershire sauce oh did you <laughs> we had a yeah yeah we had a contest in the lab zilber said who can make the best worcestershire sauce and i did win which was very nice that's but awesome also because i put clove in it i went in like <laughs> I, yeah like the, i went into the the dry storage and smelled all the spices and as soon as i smelled the clove i was like that's what worcestershire smells like like i wanted it to yeah. be like identifiable as worcestershire not like some weird um, thing um but yeah yeah they helped me that's make amazing. very noma e like there was like fermented gooseberry juice in it near at the end and like uh oh yeah son- the sonicator <laughs> we sonicated in some cedar chips and it was crazy that's crazy. Did you have any experience with any of that, like fermentation or any of the the techniques they were using at that point before you uh, went? Only like lacto fermentation. Like I, I'm a the I make the best sauerkraut around. I tell you, I'm like I'm really good at <laughs> fermenting. Like lacto fermentation is my thing. Um, so yeah, but I hadn't. I actually didn't like using all of the science equipment, like the roto zap thing and like the sonicator thing and like the the centrifuge thing or whatever like i i was terrified to use all that scientific equipment i was so scared i was gonna break it and like i knew i wasn't gonna ever use it again in my own restaurant so it was kind of like yeah point but it was still like cool that, to learn. yeah so you were just thrown in they don't like teach you in any way you were just like no it, how do they how do they guide you in a sense of like how to go down these like avenues of different types of fermentation um pretty it's pretty free like we were able to choose what choose our own adventure like every day like um aside from men there was menu prep that we needed to do but when i was there the prep was really light in the lab which was good like i just missed the one where they had to make all like the mold sheets and all that shit and that was like a (laughs) full-time job so it was a lot of creative time uh in there with me which was good That's, that's wild that is a once in a lifetime chance do you use any of that stuff now in your own restaurants yeah yeah definitely like yeah. i make miso um i grow koji and i want to get more into like exploring making like i'm really trying to make like lots of saskatchewan products so i want to like do the saskatchewan miso thing like really hard but i just haven't had time still catching up from going to noma coming back closing one of my restaurants because it got torn down not because it went out of business oh my god the whole thing got yeah. like torn down and then um covid thing and then yeah i opened a new restaurant and then it's been like a really big whirlwind so i'm like still waiting to like really unpack what i learned at at that noma uh, time wow okay Mm -hmm. um you said you said you went to um quay did you yeah Yeah. was that before this is still like on your journey yeah yeah, i was young um what drew you to that restaurant well, like I said, I was writing that little blog and mm-hmm. I noticed when I was researching San Francisco that Daniel Patterson had a ton of writing. And so I was like, he's a chef who also writes. I want to go yeah. learn about that. Like, cause he wrote for like New York times and stuff. And I know um, I have a bunch, I have all the lucky peaches here. I used to write tons of articles for lucky peach. He was, yeah, he was I have a all great the lucky writer peaches too. I know. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And that was just crazy to see that caliber of dining. And that was also another piece in the puzzle for me because like, he was doing like super fine dining course menus that were made of nothing. Like the food cost was like very good. Like it was like blowing my mind. Like he's like, 
yeah, I went to this park in San Francisco and I forged these like red berries that no one even knows what they are. I can't even remember what they're called. Um, and he's yeah. like, and then I make a, a soda out of them. And that's like the first course is like a bubbly water out of these like forged berries from the park. So that's like, that's, you're that's basically, cool. it's basically free. And then like the yeah. next course was like some sort of like pine and mandarin like ice or something so i was like that's another course made of water and then um i don't know it was just like the way he manipulated the ingredients and how fresh and light and how he could take a small amount of forged ingredients and stretch it to like serve on the tasting menu and Mm, the way he could stretch ingredients i admired and still it was all groundbreaking stuff and so he could charge a ton for it so yeah as a business mind that was really cool was that at the time that he was like hot shit like the, yeah the big name oh yeah. wow that's awesome. he was big time there was like celebrities in there and like um yeah and so when i was working jeremy fox came in for dinner and okay cool. he was wearing like this like full plaid suit and he just looked so cool. <laughs> like i was like whoa like who is this guy and he was he came right into the kitchen and he was just like hey mm. cooks hey chefs how's it going and like he was just so cool and i was like who was that yeah. and they're like that's jeremy fox he's like the chef in napa at ubuntu and it's like a vegetable restaurant. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's so cool. So then after my stage at Hua, I went to find, I just emailed Jeremy Fox and he like responded to me like personally and was like, yeah, come stage. So I like spent some time there and that was during a crazy time. And it was just crazy there at that time. What do you, what do you mean? Like in terms um, of like, just how much was, was going on? They were trying such to, like a small amount yeah. of space. Yeah. Well, they were like, also short-staffed at the time okay i think he jeremy fox was going through a divorce at that time and his phone was smashed and he was like having a hard time but also so kind and so nice at the same time and just like um it just you could feel the the chaos in the restaurant like you could feel the palpable emotion there was like emotion there yeah and but i learned some really cool stuff there it was like a really cool experience and i got to go to like the farm where they grow everything and have like the chickens running around and like it was just um, and i toured the uh french laundry gardens french laundry was closed at the time but i like kyle and i like creeped on their gardens we were like you know it was all a band like there was no one there because it was closed for the season or something and but we were just like peeking in all their greenhouses and like walking all over that sounds awesome yeah how long did you stay uh at quad uh only a month yeah. Oh, so that was just a stage. Yeah, just a stage. Did you, get, did you get to make the beet flowers, the famous beet flowers? Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> that was on my station. Um, yeah, I had like this. Was it true that it, I remember on Bourdain on one of uh, no reservations or something like that? He said that he had like he's like yeah, there's like six cooks down there just like all making flowers, beet flowers. Was that true? That yeah, was just all hands on deck for these beet flowers. Yeah, there was like three people. Yeah, like, oh. <laughs> um, but th- their line was set up in a really crazy way it was it was like a tiered line like it was like a a white room where there was like cooking equipment at the very back of the room and then there was like a a white bench so they would cook and then like plate there and then it was like and then people would stand in front of it and there was another like white like plating table and then people would stand and there was like another white plating table okay like, so it was like it was like plating server plating server like that kind of well no it that, was like, like cooks like it was like like a a pass with cooks and then a, another pass with cooks and then another pass at the front 
and like okay. different courses came off different stations, but it was all like in a line. Oh, like there was people standing behind me and people in front of me oh. and everyone had their own like little job and you'd like pass the dish down and like put like two with tweezers, like two lime zests on the like, like two strings of lime zest, but not too long <laughs> of strings, not too short of strings, like on the like crab, whatever wow. course soup it was. It was crazy. That's insane. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then every 15 minutes you had to do a line sweep and it was like sweeping nothing. It was so weird because there was nothing ever on the ground, but I was the stock. So <laughs> yeah. I had to like line sweep the nothing every 15 minutes. Yeah. I've worked, I've, I've deep cleaned a lot of, um, clean. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I've yeah. done that. You're like, why am I deep cleaning this? There's nothing, nothing wrong with this. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So what drew, what drew you to that place? You said, you said, it, you said he, was following you your your blog but no um, no he wasn't following my blog oh. i had a blog and he and then i know i googled like chefs in san francisco and all, all his writing for the new york times and stuff oh okay That's so right. i decided i wanted to work under a chef that was also doing writing and he was mm. very flattered when i he asked me he, he came up to me and was like why did you decide to stage here and i said because of your writing and he was like, oh, you know about my writing? Like, <laughs> young little cook, you know that I'm a writer? Like, so that was really cool. Yeah. Did you get to gain some insight into that? No, uh, no, no, not really. No? no just, okay. Just washing, cooking, cleaning, the normal stuff. But um, You just wanted to work under somebody who was also doing writing as well? Yeah. And also, what it was? He, he was like one of the top restaurants that yeah. people were talking about in Vancouver. Like, my chef friends were talking about his food and it was something totally different than anything I had done. Like everything I had done was very like farm to table type stuff. And I wanted to see like more tasting menu, fine dining, like Michelin stuff. So yeah, it was like really good to see. Was that your first Michelin star restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that quality of, was that a shock or kind of like a, um, yeah, a huge change for you? Yeah. It was very formal, like very, very formal and lots of rules and stuff. Like they wouldn't really let us like, it was like frowned upon to have coffee because it would ruin your palate. And like you had to sip water like all the time during service to keep like cleansing your palate and stuff like that. It was like a lot of palate development, um, which I had. That's that's pretty, that's a more, one of the better rules I've heard. Like that's probably more about developing your taste as opposed to just conforming to a set of, you know, nonsense rules. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's really smart. Yeah. I, I remember there was one story, I think it was, it was one of the early Lucky Peaches. And I was thinking about this the other day when I was, somebody folded the towels wrong. Yeah. Or the, or the way that I didn't like. And he said, he said, there was one moment where somebody had some servers or something had folded the towels wrong. And instantly he looked at all of his, his cooks and they were all instantly refolding all the towels to be like the same way that everybody folds the towels at, at Kwai. Yeah. That's, I think about that story a lot. It's, it's attention it's, it's, to detail though. Like exactly. Yeah. If you can't hold your towel correctly, are you going to do the food correctly? Like <laughs> if you can't take the tape yeah. off your leader, are you going to like put that extra care into like, if you can't care about that, can you, how much yeah. care can you have for everything? Like I yeah. definitely have that. I'm like wet rags must be folded into a rectangle. Dry rags must be folded into a square. They must be folded at all times. Like it's just, everyone has those rules, you know? Like, yeah. It's that, that attention to detail. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was, a, that, that story sticks with me a lot because folding towels is a lot. It's one of those details that's so important, but no one aside from even certain cooks understand that, that, 
that the towels should be folded a certain way or, and everybody's got their own thing. It's, it's a very, very weird nuanced thing yeah. um, that no one really gets unless you're a cook. Absolutely. It's, it's a, a strange. Um, yeah. Where did you end up after, after doing that little bit of staging? Um, I went back to Vancouver to see all my friends in the restaurant industry because the Olympics were in Vancouver and they needed like cook more cooks just oh. to help out for the Olympics. So I was like, I'll come back and visit all y'all and cook with you. And then at that point, I decided that it was time to open my own restaurant, even though I was like pretty young. Like I hadn't, I don't know. I was like, I got to do this now. Like I just, I felt like it was like now how, or never. How old were you when at that point? I can't really remember, but I think like 27. Jeez, that is young for to open a restaurant. But yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes sometimes that's a good time to do it because you're still like. Well, uh, ignorance is bliss, man. Like I just dove in. <laughs> I didn't know the risks I was taking. I didn't know yeah. like what I was doing. And it was, it just, it was all super easy because I didn't know what I was doing, you know, like. Um, so I moved back to Saskatoon with Kyle, my partner, and um started looking for a location and we found this like old uh hundred year old building but it was a chinese restaurant that was like a staple in saskatoon for 50 years everyone knows that it's called the golden dragon it's like but the building had been abandoned for seven years um and it was okay. in a, an exact time capsule from like the 60s 70s and 80s that's cool yeah and it was like many different rooms and it was like the decor was like very 60s 70s 80s like golden crane wallpaper like orange banquettes like the that's awesome lanterns the the lounge area was like pepto-bismol pink and red with like very uh <laughs> yeah it looked like yeah twin peaks kind of shit like it was just like that's totally cool. insane and it looked yeah. like the cooks just like dropped everything and walked out like it looked like they got raided <laughs> there's still like pans and stuff yeah. on the stove the, the deep fryer was full of like a solidified like red jelly like oil that had solidified it was like holy shit up. Um, but yeah. it, was, it was a turnkey operation. It came with all the tables, chairs, um, tongs, bowls, pots, like whatever. It was super dirty, filthy. Yeah. I was going to say how much, how much work did you have to do to get that thing back up and running? We scrubbed for a month straight. Um, and, Jesus. All yeah, right. and it was just a turnkey operation. They made us pay like first and last month's rent, gave us the keys and gave us everything in the building. It was like, so that's insane it was a miracle yeah. like they should have sold us the business and then but they basically like rented us everything like as as it was okay but it was all like really cool old stuff like they don't make it like they used to like the mixing bowls were like heavy like thick <laughs> and, like the stock yeah, they had those heavy heavy bottoms right yeah, yeah. it was cool um so we did that did you did you keep it the de the decor and absolutely it was yeah awesome. it, we just cleaned it up and uh let it shine let it shine and <laughs> yeah it was good and so that restaurant i was able to like acc like accumulate all of the things i had learned at all the other restaurants so we were like vegetable forward we were doing whole animal butchery we did like our own charcuterie program we did a five course tasting menu with forged ingredients like foie we did um damn our own compost How program we worked with a local farm how big was this restaurant? How many was, seats are we talking? Well, the building was as big as like an elementary school almost. It was crazy. Um, we started with Holy only shit. a few rooms open, but we eventually built a patio too. So it could be over a hundred seats at times. Wow. What but, made you guys decide that, that big of a restaurant for your first go? We didn't want to. We were looking for something oh, just, tiny. Like yeah. we wanted something that just Kyle and I could run with like one server, um, but nothing was coming up and 
then when we when we saw that and because there was this place in Vancouver called the Narrows and it was like this narrow hallway where just like two people worked it um and yeah. then when we got to uh see that place we were like this is the opposite of the narrows this is like uh, the hollows like this is like a big hollow giant thing uh so we ended yeah. up calling it the hollows that's awesome and then it got uh it was open and thriving for yeah we had a horticulturist on staff that was growing all those seeds that i saved uh directly for the restaurant so we had uh Damn, that, so you dove in yeah so we, we went had, from like, zero to a thousand yeah that's we did insane. i finally got to do the restaurant that i wanted to do i took I was like, every restaurant that I've been at has done something really cool, but not everyone's doing all of the cool stuff that I want to do all at once. So yeah. I wanted to put all of that together and do everything the way I wanted to do it with like so much meaning behind it. I basically run it like a homestead, like a, like the apocalypse is coming type thing. It's <laughs> like curing, preserving, fermenting, like seed saving, like composting, gardening, like everything, like hunting. That's we incredible. All, yeah. We all have our hunting licenses and our gun licenses. We're all crazy out here. That's wild. West. There's, yeah, there's, there's a few restaurants that are doing that. I think like only like, there's only a few restaurants that have their own farmers and things like that who are mm. like cultivating. That's, that's wild. That's amazing. Yeah. Like they're on payroll. It's, it's actually quite yeah. expensive, but it also isn't because the quality oh, of product yeah. that you get is unparalleled. So Yeah. And it's specific to you. It's not yeah. like it's it's like you bought it from a purveyor or anything like that, right? Yeah, totally. How many how many people did you have on staff? Like, imagine that was a huge staff. No, well, not at first. Like, we had a lot of front of house near the end, um, and then the kitchen was probably near the end, about five people. Um, but we could run <laughs> the line nice. with three. Wow. Yeah, the way that That's I incredible. set up the menu was really smart, and we could run it with three people. It was good. What was ma- what was mainly coming off of there? Was it mainly just um, meats and vegetables? Just keep it. Yeah, really, it was really like uh, there was like a small section that had like small appetizers, and then like all of our in-house charcuterie. We had like a charcuterie board and a cheese board, and then we had like probably like five or six mains that were some vegetarian, some meat with the whole like rotating whole animal cuts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then like I don't know four desserts and a huge cocktail list of all like all the odds and ends that we couldn't use in the kitchen. We turned into cocktail stuff. That's cool. Like it was a zero waste restaurant. Like there, we got our dumpster picked up once a month and it was like always empty. It just had like tin foils from like wine bottles and stuff in it. Cause we, I would keep everything. I was, the building was so big. I was able to be a huge hoarder. So like, Oh yeah. yeah, I had plenty of space. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like anything, anything that comes into the restaurant we've paid for. So nothing can leave because everything, anything that we're that's leaving is has possible value that we can still extract from it. So I wouldn't let anything go in the garbage without me like looking at it. We get like triple uses out of some stuff and like, that's awesome. Yeah. Even like the maker's mark bottles with the red wax, I, I would make them like scrape all the red wax off before we recycled the bottle. Cause I'm like, I'm going to melt that down and do a project with that. Did you end up doing something with it? Yeah, we put little like wax seals on our menus and stuff, or like I'd seal. Oh, that's awesome! And, like we we tanned hides there. Like we'd get Icelandic sheep from a local farm, and then I'd get the hides and I'd like tan the hides and decorate the restaurant with that. We make Holy our own shit. Show. That's amazing. Yeah, like basically, this is the other thing: the whole animal butchery. Um, we did our own compost program. Then we would use the entire animal, but then the bones we would turn into stock. But then uh, the inedible fat we would have left over. So I would render the fat and make soap, make hand soap for the bathrooms out of it. 
Um, so That's we made amazing. our own soap in-house as well. Yeah. And then the bones, we would actually burn them because we didn't know how to get rid of them. We didn't want to throw them in the garbage. We wanted them to go back into the garden. So we would like burn them to ash and then throw them in the garden. And then use them as like, no, that's that's awesome. Probably yeah. super nutrient rich. Yeah. Stunk um, real bad. Stinky. <laughs> Very gross. <laughs> lots of work. Uh, lots of work. I was just going to say, how, how was it running that restaurant? Because it sounds like an insane amount of work. It was so much work, um, but it was work that I loved and I wanted to do. So it, it had so much meaning and it was just so amazing. And I was so young and so stupid that I like didn't realize that I was doing all this work. Um, I just thought, I just thought I was living my dream and I was, and it was like magical. Like um, we would forage crab apples and we'd have like the whole team front of house and back of house processing like crab apples for, to keep for us going all winter with them. We'd be like, it was all, everyone loved working there because it, it was like learning skills. Like it was like, uh, not just yeah. a shitty serving job and the, it was like you're learning like life skills and so many crazy fucking things like happen. you were saying it's like it's like surviving for the apocalypse like yeah. you're learning life skills to survive a zombie apocalypse that's what we were doing it's wild yeah it was crazy <laughs> and we yeah we got lots of crazy stories like uh, lots of crazy shit happened that's um, wild did you guys did you guys end up um having some success i mean obviously you did have success right yeah, because of what we were doing, we were very, we put Saskatoon on the map, really, like, we were acknowledged by a lot of media, because we had such a good story, like, um, I guess that's my advice to anyone opening a restaurant, is, like, you have to have a solid story behind what you're doing, that you can tell that story, because people want to hear it, and then it spreads. Yeah. So, yeah, like, Tourism Sask got behind us real hard, and, like, people, everyone wanted to see the crazy old Chinese building and hear our story and eat our beautiful tasting menus with the forage ingredients and the horticulture growing stuff for us. And, like, uh, yeah. so it was, a, it was a huge success. Like, we were open nine years, and then the fire inspector came and inspected the building and said, this building is fucked, and you guys cannot continue. We have to, they're like, we have to tear this down. And it was fucked. Like it was crazy. Like the floors were kind yeah. of mushy. I was like, like I thought someone was going to fall through the dish pit floor. I told them if they do that, they should just ride it down and go liquid. I was like, <laughs> don't fight it. Just let, just, go <laughs> just let it happen. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. So I was going to ask, did you, so for nine years, did you keep the building like mainly the same? Did yeah. you make upgrades and things like that? No, or did it you, was, was all, it mainly, it was all grandfathered in. So we couldn't like, um, if we did one upgrade, it would like take all of, it would, it would be a million dollar job to like, like it was like a house of yeah. cards, you know? Yeah. And we didn't own the building. So it was stressing us out. So that's why we bought this, we bought uh, a restaurant just down the street that was for sale. We bought the entire building with all its contents and we opened primal pasta, which is like our kind of flagship now. Yeah. And we made that thing be like way more streamlined and not as like homesteady um everything you learned from yeah. from this from the hollows um yeah so what was what was that day like when they they said did they just randomly show up and start inspecting like a food inspector or what what was the what was the impetus there they did they they stuck a freaking orange notice on our front door they just stuck okay. it's like like they That's taped weird. a notice that said like to be demolished and we were like what 
and then we called the landlord and the landlord was like, oh yeah, I've been getting letters about that, but I don't want to, I don't want to put money into the building. If you guys want to put money into the building and fix it, you can, cause it's like your business. But we were like, we don't have money. And like, we don't want to put yeah. millions into your building. Like sell us the building. And he was like, no. And like, it, so we were just like, tear it. And then I was all excited. Cause I was kind of tired of doing <laughs> nine years. I was like, tear it down. I'm so excited <laughs> on, on, uh, yeah, the Hollows Instagram still exists, um, and on the highlights, there's like a teardown reel showing the whole fucking building getting torn down. It's amazing. That's wild. I actually Who sat that? outside while they tore it down in my car, and I had visitors coming by. We were all just drinking in the parking lot, watching it get torn down. It was fucking awesome. That's yeah. I was gonna say, was that was that cathartic for you, it, or was it uh, was it like bittersweet? No, it was fucking cool. I was like, because <laughs> I was like, we That's can't awesome. do like we obviously can't do this forever. But like, I don't want to go yeah. out like in a like go out quietly. I want to go out with a bang. And like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I will be the bang. last person standing in this building. And I was the last person standing in that building. And then, boom, the whole thing's gone. And it's like now I can start yeah. fresh somewhere else. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What what's what's in that spot now? Oh, pardon. They rebuild. Oh yeah. yeah. Shit. Of course. <laughs> that sucks. Do you miss that? Do you miss that that grind of the having of the whole restaurant of that? that whole restaurant program. I I do actually miss it. It took two years. It's been like two years or so since that place has been gone. Um, it was a sweet two years though. Only having one restaurant. That was sweet. I was basically retired. <laughs> All my good one went to the other one. I just spent like two years in the hot tub chilling out. It was great. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, Hey, we got to open another restaurant. And so we opened pop wine bar. Um, that's across the street from primal. We bought that entire building with all its contents as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then we like, were these just opportunities that came up or were you actively looking for uh, new spots? Opportunities that came up and we're always, I'm always looking at real estate because I'm, I've realized that you can't make money in restaurants very much. So I make my money in real no. estate. Like yeah. before I even went to Vancouver, I bought, I bought a house when I was like 18 years old before the boom in Saskatoon and I lived in the basement and rented out the upstairs. And then when I went to Vancouver, I just rented out the whole thing. My dad helped me manage the property. And when I got back, I used, I took a mortgage on that to open the hollows. I, I opened the hollows for only $20,000 because everything was already there. Wow. All we had to do was, was already, yeah, buy so. yeah, inventory, buy a, a yeah. nice machine, that kind of thing. And then we opened Primal for only $20,000 as well. Um, but I ended up... Was that also that kind of a turnkey restaurant as well? It was, but it was like, yeah, wow. it was. Um, wow. And I decorated it myself. I decorated the restaurants myself. So I sold that house and bought, was able to buy the Primal building with the money. And then we remortgaged the Primal building last year and bought Pop. And then Pop is a wine bar because I'm trying to make the booze money because I want... So, and like, you know, there's a shortage That's where of the money, right? Um, oh, Yeah. 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 So with Pop, we can do 200 people. Like it's only like a 60 seat restaurant, but we can do like 200 people, but it only takes two cooks to run the menu, mm -hmm. which is very smart because we don't, there's no cooks. Yeah. So I, I don't want like to, like at Primal, yeah. it takes like eight people to like run everything. But uh, at Pop, it only takes two. And it's been open a year and we're slowly starting to like get back into the, that old hollows magic. Like we're, I'm started like this year I'm growing a massive garden. Um, I'm going to preserve it all. We're going to like really launch back into all the, I'm going to pick and choose all the magic from the hollows that I enjoy and love and do it way more streamlined yeah. and like bring it back to pop, which is going to be like a magical kind That's of. That's great. Circle. 
in the U.S. we have fucking terrible laws in, in involving like fermentation and stuff like that. Does Canada have laws like that, or is it way more lenient? You can bring in fermentation, and oh, yeah. and you're okay to use it. Like I said, it's the Wild West. We can do whatever <laughs> we want out here. Like that's, nobody that's knows great. what's going on in Saskatchewan. There's no regulations. It's fucking amazing. That's awesome. That's why I'm here. That's great. I'm here to yeah. live free and do what I want. Ask for yeah. forgiveness, not permission. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a big rule breaker, and that is also the reason that I own the buildings uh, and don't have any investors. Like I said, is because I am a. Yeah. I hate being told what to do. I I like to be in full control of my whole situation. And yeah, yeah I, I break rules as much as possible, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah. That's just the nature of restaurants, I think. And being, and being a chef. Yeah. Yeah. How did the, how did the pandemic hit you guys? It was fine. Like I, were you already done with the hollows at that point? And then, uh, and the hollows was still there, but it was, it was uh, scheduled to be torn down. So we just took everybody and we like, we ran like a grocery store out of it for a bit. Um, which was super cool for the okay. community because there was like a bunch of shortages, but we had a, all this access. Since we've been apocalypse preparing, we were fully prepared and we were bringing in like different stuff from our local farmers that was like on the grocery store shelves that people couldn't get, like just like ground yeah. beef and stuff like that. But like, so we set up a, a beautiful grocery store in there and we convinced like Skip the Dishes to, be, to deliver groceries to people, um, which was really cool. Uh -huh. But then we were That's like, cool. fuck this, let's all just go to Primal and party. So we just like, we were like, this place is getting torn down, abandoned ship. So we like uh, all went to Primal, uh, kept our core staff on. We, we actually called our staff, like each each person was like, do you want to stay on or do you want to like, are you, do you want to stay home? Like, are you scared? Do you want to, what do you want to do? And it worked out perfect. All, the, like half the staff wanted to stay, half the staff didn't want to work. So um, we just kept a core staff and we rocked like the most incredible takeout program of all fucking time. And we actually broke sales records in the pandemic. It was fucking awesome. It was so fun. That's awesome. So you, yeah, so you, you guys, you guys kind of rode through it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was good. That's amazing. Our, our, it was easy peasy. Like, yeah, we were just really creative and kept it like really kept really fluid and just kept uh, doing whatever we could do. That's awesome. So are, is the problem you've been having with, with cooks, did you notice that like after the pandemic, has there just been a recent development for you guys? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. After, yeah, after the pandemic and then opening pop, yeah, two restaurants is definitely harder than one restaurant for sure. Like <laughs> it is. Like I'm, I'm yeah. running my ass off again now too. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I I keep an eye on the Canadian government stats all the time, and like the unemployment rate is mm -hmm. an all time low. There's like everybody yeah. who can work is working. There's just not enough people to cover the jobs. Like it's fucking it's true, yeah. So I'm training a bunch of kids right now. I'm just like training any children that I can find that can work. <laughs> like you know, like eight, that's sixteen a, that's to eighteen good. year olds. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Do you find that that there are less of those kids that want to work in kitchens? Yeah, probably. Yeah, no? probably. Yeah. I I think it's gonna come back full mm -hmm. swing. I don't know. And like, we're we're slowly getting there. Like, and the good mm -hmm. thing about the kids when you train them they stay for a really long time because they they get it they get into it which is good that's awesome yeah yeah here in austin there's definitely a saturation of restaurants is that a problem you guys are having or is it mainly just a lack of people who want to work there's a lot of restaurants but a lot are closing and opening all the time like it's 
yeah. kind of crazy. There's only like a few restaurants that, that are like top tier local restaurants. And then there's a bunch of chain restaurants. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh yeah. Also with the war in Ukraine, um, a ton of the Ukrainian refugees are in Sa- in Saskatchewan and Saskatoon. So oh, okay. I've, I've been hiring some Ukrainian refugees and it's been pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I have, I have my poor chef de cuisine, man. I, I just went on this like website or uh, Facebook page for like Ukrainian mm-hmm. refugees and was like looking for cooks and chefs, uh, no resume, no English necessary. Like I'm that desperate. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so my poor chef de cuisine's like got this one cook who's just so amazing, doesn't speak English, but she's like actually learning English like quite rapidly. But he's like, he's basically like, teaching her English as well as cooking. But she's a <laughs> But now that we have her, we're, we we got some more people coming and she can translate for them and it's like working out really well. That's awesome. It sounds like, yeah, you're rebuilding into something that's totally, totally new, building for a, a the yeah, long Yeah, well, haul. you got to just keep being fresh. Yeah. Keep, uh, the, yeah. The, where there's a will, there's a way. And if there's a problem, there's always some sort of solution. So that's what I, I that's how I'm doing it. Yeah. So, so what's next for you guys? Do you, do you feel like, do you, are you just on kind of autopilot right now just let it run or you guys got plans for the future um that's a that's a weird one people have been asking me that like what's next and it's like for sure um we're we've only had pop for a year and we are we're pretty much like barely hanging on to our butts right now man like it's hard like shit's real hard like um we're just do you mean financially or just in terms of like the struggle of owning a business like and the the it's pressures just all mean? of it like all of it yeah. everything like recovering from the uh startup costs of pop which was our biggest we had to like build an entire bar and like plumb it in and everything and like we've never done anything like that we've always just like shined up whatever yeah. is there um so that was like way and then the construction costs were like so inflated because of the pandemic and everything yeah, it was a tough time to open and stuff. Yeah, but um, was there a, was there a cost of buying all of the wine as well? Like I've never heard the background of that. Like buying a bulk of wine at once. Yeah, yeah, we have like fifty thousand yeah. dollars in inventory right now, and just wine. Like Jesus, it's fucked, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it snuck up on me. And also, like with the liquor laws in Saskatchewan, it's just super expensive to buy anything. But we have wine allocations that like are sold out in New York and stuff like this wine bar. We're really killing it. Like we have a really, really good wine list. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, everything's like the, I have a feeling that everything is going to like level out and we're just going to like become super profitable, but it's going to take some time. And so we're just like waiting for that. And I'm, I want to be rich. Like I want to get rich in this business. So like, I hope that it <laughs> yeah, works out. A... Um, I'm also looking at some co-packing stuff. Like I have some product lines mm. that I do on a very small scale. So I want to okay. try and get those on a large scale and get some passive income through that. Okay. Yeah. You mean like, um, pickles and, and yeah, like, like so- I got yeah, sauces kind of and teas and maybe I'll do some misos or something. Uh, yeah, that, and- I think I think that's where kind of the support and and money comes in because uh, a buddy of mine, um, Andy Jack, who does fermentation and stuff on on Instagram, he has a couple of spice lines, things cool. like that, like um, umami salt, and he was talking about that when I talked to him. He's like, if you can get this stuff up and running in the background, then just do it. Like you yeah. just have it passive income pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I think that's kind of where things are going. Andy Ricker for a while from Pock Pock was doing that, and they just shut the store down. But I thought that was brilliant. He was selling like vinegars and 
and you know uh, very unique Thai products that you couldn't get anywhere else. Thai charcoal, and, and I yeah. was like, I was like, that's a really smart idea that nobody really is taking up. That's a smart direction. Yeah, I've got some wild forged tea blends that I sell. They're like really that's really cool. Well. Yeah, my brand is called Be Magic. I really like it. Be Magic. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's going to... Do you have a store up and running? Uh, I just sell it out of the restaurants. There's a market that's next door to Pop, so I sell it out of that... I sell it out of a ton of different markets and stores in Saskatoon. Okay, but you're trying to go a little bit. I want to go big, uh, yeah. Global? Go global with it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know how, but that's like kind of what my future... That's like the future, I think. It's the dream. Yeah. Also, just improving upon my buildings that I have. Like, I'd love to do like a rooftop garden, rooftop patio. Like, I'd love to build a freaking greenhouse on top of one of the buildings and have a dining room inside a big glass greenhouse like and come full circle with that like amsterdam like shit. the glass yeah yeah i have like big uh that's awesome big big dreams but no money so we'll see <laughs> no money to make it happen yeah well that's awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to talk uh yeah this is an amazing conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, maybe someday I'll get up to uh, Saskatoon. I still haven't been up to Canada, but I'm trying to make it up to uh, uh, eat at Joe Beef and a couple other places. So maybe I'll get up there someday. I love those Joe Beef guys. Yeah, you you come on up and you, you're you always welcome. We'll host you. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much, Chef. I really appreciate it. Yeah, okay. thank you so much for your time. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thanks, Chef. Have a good day. Bye.